Let's see. So basically, I got like a page and a quarter of notes for this movie. Really? Yeah. Shit. And like, I'm just like my observations while watching. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good that there was actually more to. I, I think there's more to talk about in this movie for sure than any of the others. I agree. I have 22 bullet points. Wow. <laughs> Shit, man. Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom-coms and then record our thoughts and post them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing today? I'm good, buddy. Uh, I feel kind of bad for being cooped up inside all day watching, I mean, watching a movie and doing a podcast. It could be worse things, but... Of course, yes. Um, nice, beautiful summer day outside on a Saturday. and But then it's like, like we were talking about earlier in the day, it's like, well, what what, what are we going to do anyway? We can't. We can't go do anything. Yeah, so. not not much you can really do. Um, so that's where my, can, my headspace can, is at. Yeah, it's like you could go outside and be, you know, alone on, in the park. You know, like. Right. It's like, just, yeah, it's just like, uh uh, there's just it's so much effort to go outside right now especially with just like knowing that even if there's a, a 0.1 or 0.01 percent chance of me contracting this and then a small percentage of that being a fatal occurrence right i still don't want to take that chance it's like why why the fuck would i go yeah. outside and take that chance yeah like just get me a vaccine and i will leave my apartment until then stop bothering me <laughs> I mean, I have been I have been taking breaks and getting outside when I can. It's it's good to yeah. get outside and breathe fresh air again. But you know, I'm getting yeah, that itch to like, open. yeah, you still get that itch to like. I know, like I know go what you mean. do things like anything yeah. at this point. Like even when I look at like something borrowed when they drive to the Hamptons, it's like even the driving from yeah. New York City to the Hamptons was like, oh, a car ride. That sounds oh, totally, fun. totally. You know? And yeah, even though that that movie is crap and the New York City to the Hamptons seems like hellacious because of all oh, the yeah. people that are, yeah. all the traffic, but nonetheless, it still looked cool in the movie. Yeah, absolutely, one of the few things that movie had going for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking so speaking of all types of topography and geography we watched failure to launch a movie in which they go to the forest the beach uh, and somehow are in a city as well all at once uh, it also has mountains to climb rocks on so um that's a, already a very that's a good observation <laughs> that was one of my bullet points we were going to bring that up and uh, you know what? It, it can't be held on. So here, how many bullet before, points do you have? I have twenty-two. I'm not going over all of them, but this is the biggest one that I I have from my head. We will we will continue on as normal. I will give you stats here very shortly. Um, I, we will we will talk about our memories and everything else. But I need to discuss this right say away. It, say it at the baseball game. 
Which Sarah Jessica Parker was a pointless scene, but yes, go on. Well, it it, it it did one thing at the very end of it that was very important to the plot, which was him telling her about Amy. Oh right, Demo. yeah. Right. But nonetheless, um, the she yells, "Go!" and you have to assume the home team because they're at the fucking game and everyone's cheering at the same time. Do you remember what? city name she yells at the baseball game no i i honestly couldn't understand her it was a minor league it was obviously a minor league game but she yells go omaha okay so you're telling me that this movie in which matthew mcconaughey is a fucking boat salesman Sailing oh. out in the ocean. <laughs> going out and mountain biking in the fucking forest. And rock climbing like a fucking 40 foot rock. That it's goddamn set in Omaha, Nebraska. Fuck you. Some of them corns is so tall <gasps> they seem like mountains. <laughs> so, it had to be said first and foremost. Just get that out of the way. I need you. I needed everyone to be on my level, and just know that. <laughs> well, now I need to, does she say "Go Omaha"? Are you sure about that? She yells "Go Omaha." Uh, okay, I'm looking it up to see if there is like a declared setting for this movie. Um, so far I'm not seeing anything. That bothers the hell out of me if she really does say go Omaha. Oh my god, now that you pointed that out, I can't like not... it's everyone watching. Now I will you know I'll I'll, I'll... 35 year old Trip still lives with his parents in Baltimore. Then why is she yelling go Omaha? She must have been saying something else. And why would they? Why would they to be at a minor league? It couldn't have been. It could have been go Baltimore. It couldn't have been go Baltimore. Um, I swear to God, I heard Omaha. Okay, this whole thing may have been incorrect. Everyone, we may have been laughing over nothing, and a lot of people may be yelling at their sound device (laughs) as far as whether or not it is Baltimore or Omaha. She so, she could have said like yeah. maybe she was cheering for a player and we misheard the player's name or so it clearly know, it wasn't it wasn't a clear cheer that she did so neither because neither of us understood it no matter what it was I I thought I understood it well and I thought I understood it as Omaha and you know what everyone we're gonna hear a quick musical interlude and then I'll be right back with the answer. Thank you for listening to that musical interlude. The final verdict, she either says Omaha or she was trying to say something else and literally just came out with vowel sounds. That is the <laughs> official verdict. But it's goddamn close to Omaha. Yeah, because if you, if you go back, if you guys want to follow along at home, uh, Google, what was it? Failure to launch baseball scene. The first video result that comes up on Google says, 
failure to launch Trip and Jeffrey. And if you go to about a minute 25 in that YouTube video, you hear her yell after the double play, Go Omaha! But she emphasizes the ha at the end of Omaha and yeah. draws it out. And it's weird. So it's like when I was watching it, it made me think that she was trying to say something else. But it, it, I don't know what else it could be. It actually sounds like Go Omaha. So I don't know. I don't know why they would be playing a minor league game in Baltimore. Maybe they drove out to the suburbs and played Omaha and as an away team. And, and she's cheering I, for Omaha. I don't know. I never once heard Omaha, or Baltimore as far as like the city that they were in. I, I mean, All I saw was the skyline that he was driving into. So yeah. maybe that was the skyline that they were showing. I don't know. Wait, 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 wait a minute. At the end of that scene, he walks away, or towards the end of the scene, when he goes away to get uh, the kids' ice cream or whatever. He says um, Royals. He says Royals. I yeah. think Omaha's minor league team is the Royals. <laughs> no? No. Let's find out. No, they're not. Are, are oh, they, they are. They're a AAA affiliate of the Royals. So, folks, I think we cracked the code. Yeah. So they're at a minor league game in the Baltimore area watching Omaha play as the visitor, and she is cheering for them. That that has to be the explanation. The fact or, that we had to do that much homework no. to understand a scene or, in this movie. Or the more likely scenario, since they're all rooting for the goddamn home team, because everyone's rooting for them, they it's, fucking were – Omaha was the home team, and there's nothing to do with Baltimore. Well, then you better take that up with Wikipedia, because – they claim it's Baltimore. Yeah. So. Yeah, I never heard anything about Baltimore. But Baltimore area would make a lot more sense for the maritime influence and all that. Yeah, I 100% agree. But, but then that, I don't know where the Omaha comes from. But that baseball scene was set in fucking Omaha, Nebraska. Just get rid of it. The whole baseball scene is pointless. <laughs> like, no, Demo has to tell her about Amy. He so could do that literally scene. anywhere else, any other time. <laughs> they could do it in outer space, and it would probably make just about as much sense. Max, okay, look, you're, we're talking we're, about the movie a little too soon. We're getting ahead. We're getting ahead. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Failure to Launch is a 2006 American romantic comedy film directed by Tom Day and starring Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker. The film focuses on a 35-year-old man living with his parents who shows no interest in leaving his comfortable life or in leaving the comfortable life that they, especially his mother, have made for him. It was released on March 10, 2006. Uh, it, uh, it was distributed by Paramount Pictures. The running time of the film, 97 minutes. And it feels 30. like two hours. It, it felt longer than it was. But I appreciate that they kept it under 140. They knew, yeah, they knew they yeah. didn't have a lot. Agreed. Um, the budget of the film, fifty million dollars. Damn. 
That's how much it costs to get McConaughey and Tara Jessica Parker in 2006. Like, oh, I, I'm sure a fair amount, like maybe 25 to 30 of that 50 million was just in actor salaries alone. Oh, so much money wasted. <laughs> how much did it make in the box office? Uh, 100 mil. 130.2 million. Yeah, so it did decently. Yeah. I, I think on just star power alone, it made back its money, but because the quality wasn't that great, <laughs> it didn't make much more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as far as the Rotten Tomato score... This is based off of 152 reviews. What is its Rotten Tomato score? Mm, 27%. Whoo, buddy. You are close. 24%. Really? Nice. Yes. Um, J.R. Jones, the Chicago Reader, wrote, The movie's notion of humor is exemplified by Bradshaw's extended nude scene. <laughs> As a Terry Bradshaw, who played right. the dad, Albert. Um, Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian wrote, once again, Matthew McConaughey creates an aura, a force field of unfunniness, a man-sized block of unfunny kryptonite from the planet Unfunny, killing off all the funny within a thousand-yard radius. <laughs> oh, it gets me. Oh, man. Oh, oh he's speaking oh, my man. language. Wow. <laughs> Who's that? That was uh, Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian. Peter Bradshaw, UK. you are my fucking hero. Oh, that was a funny one. I tried to find a positive review amongst the like quick-to-see ones. Couldn't find them. Uh, audience score is 52%, which is also really low for an audience score. Uh, so... Yeah, as far as my, I mean, I, mean, I not surprising, not surprising. Yeah, for me, this is the second time I've seen this movie. I saw it in theaters with my mother, because of course, mm-hmm. and I remember my mom and I. This was one of those movies that kind of exemplified our feeling of you know really low rated like, like our feelings of the wedding date or like leap year. My mom and I, like we both loved those movies, even though no one else did. And, like, this movie, we left it not necessarily in love with the movie because I haven't seen it again since I saw it in the theaters and I haven't felt the need to. Mm-hmm. But I remember us saying that wasn't bad. Like, it, was, like it, wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily a waste of our matinee on a Saturday money, you know? Right, like, right. we had nothing to do, so we spent, you know, at the time, probably five seventy five, dollars like, because it was in 2006. And that was like the matinee price in Salem, I think. Right. At least it feels like it was that. Um, You know, drop in like 12 bucks to go see this movie, you know, and kill two hours on a Saturday. It didn't feel like the worst use of two hours. Right, yeah, yeah. It didn't feel bad. And, and, you know, and we talked about how we were surprised that how funny Terry Bradshaw was. Like, my mom laughed every time he was on the screen. He stole the movie. Like, he's the best actor in the fucking movie. Yeah, he was pretty damn good. Um, and to hold so, up with Kathy Bates, fuck. Yeah, like that's that's no small task either. Yeah, I mean, 
there's <laughs> just yeah. I mean, it's just, that's that's all I can really say. It's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, what else did you have? Had you seen this? Yeah, well, you mentioned you'd seen this movie once before, right? Yeah, I saw it. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it. Uh, I think I saw it with my my high school girlfriend, and I just remember kind of like the same reaction as I had to like uh, the last couple on our shit list. I'm just kind of like blah. Where it was like I didn't really hate it, but it was just like God, I I don't remember. Like I I would not sit down and watch it again. I wouldn't waste my time. And then over the years, like I've I've added to that opinion of it. And then I rewatched it. This was my second time rewatching it, and I, I had to update my opinion. So. Yeah. Um, so. I chose the movie because I realized after we did something borrowed that. I, I love rom-com so much that, and I haven't seen well, many that I know exactly. And I haven't seen many that I knew before or like, that was the only one that I strongly felt like I hated it. <laughs> like I yeah, hated I, the experience. I had a similar <clears throat> like memory of it as well. Of, uh, well, no, of, of failure to launch or something borrowed. Oh, a failure to launch. No, that was... I'm saying something about. I'm saying like coming into the podcast, like gotcha, that gotcha, was the gotcha. only movie that I like truly had in the back of my brain. Like, if we ever review this movie, I'm going to skewer it. I want to skewer it. It's, oh, I hated the gotcha. experience, sort of thing. I don't have any more <laughs> loaded in the chamber, so I came up with this idea of like the shitless one, and I'm not sure about the sh- this movie in the shitless right now. I, we'll we'll discuss this toward the end. Yeah, we give but, a dude, I'm right there with you, right? Because like there's, cause, but it's so absurd. So let me. We talked about this before we started officially quote unquote recording, but I'm gonna go ahead and let the audience know how I viewed this movie today. Technically today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're recording on Saturday before this is gonna come out. Um, at like three forty three in the afternoon right now. Um, I fell asleep early last night at like around 7.30 or 8 o'clock. And then I woke up at 3 a.m. and started, you know, looking on my phone and like went to the restroom or whatever. And then all of a sudden it was 4 a.m. and I was still like wide awake. So I decided if I'm already awake and I know we're recording today, I'll just go ahead and watch this movie. So I watched the movie starting at 4 a.m. Which and I also have already already a weird situation. Like you're it's already, a weird time of day. Yeah, it's a weird time of day for your mind. Your mind is kind of foggy, you know. And especially when you wake up that early and you decide, oh, I guess I'm starting my day, and it was still dark outside. Oh, yeah. Like you know how your yeah. mind is just constantly yeah. foggy. Like what's happening right now? Yeah. And That's... then I noticed when I sat in my chair and I'm watching it at my desk where my TV is and everything else that there happened to also be something else and it was my weekend. <laughs> so I've decided well your, your what? Your weed pen? Weed pen, yes. Okay. And I decided, well, let's go ahead and make an activity out of this and I waked and baked. So I started hitting my bed as I watched this movie. <laughs> and I tell you what, 
I my second to last bullet point of the twenty four bullet points I wrote down in my sativa induced mind frame. <laughs> the second to last one I wrote, and this was during like the kidnapping scene at the end. As I got progressed, or no, it wasn't. It was during. Uh, it was right after the touching moment between Kathy Bates and Matthew McConaughey, where she's worried about. Oh you know, yeah, whether, whether she, yeah, Terry she, Bradshaw's gonna the, love him, we'll, love her, yeah, gonna love her, and like that scene. We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, like, but I wrote as I got progressively higher, I enjoyed the movie even more. <laughs> I wrote it like a goddamn like Jane Goodall watching the gorillas about myself. <laughs> As I got progressively higher, I enjoyed the movie even more. You could say the relationship was relatively proportional between the two. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like scientifically speaking. Yeah, scientifically speaking, of course. Yes. Um, so. I don't know where to start. I don't either. Like, well, let's, let's go here. Let's go here. You've been talking shit throughout the so far throughout this podcast about Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker. This movie. Well, what exactly didn't you like about them here, or do you not like about them just in general? I I don't know. They just both rub me the wrong way. They always have. I I don't like every Matthew McConaughey movie we've watched on here. I've said something about him. <laughs> He's just he I, he. I just can't stand them. I can't stand the way he talks, <laughs> his attitude, like the way he carries himself. He's just such a one-dimensional character every fucking time. And Sarah Jessica Parker is she's boring. She's so boring. Plus, she looks like a horse, and that doesn't help. I know it's mean, but she looks like a horse. <laughs> Uh, it, I just don't find either of them attractive. Matthew, Matthew McConaughey is physically attractive. I get that. He is definitely mm-hmm. a good leading character to look at. But beyond that, he is atrocious. He's a train wreck. He is like most of the shit I've seen him in, he's unwatchable to me. He's, because every time he opens his mouth, it's like nauseating to me. Like something about his personality just repels me. I don't know what it is. And then Sarah Jessica Parker is just boring. And then in this movie, her scream. Did you notice that? Uh, She has the most shrill scream. It's a smoker scream, too. Like you can hear the smoking that she's done in her life. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just harsh. It's the back of her throat. It's a a shriek with like a smoker's rasp at the end of it too yeah just and and in this movie specifically like there was nothing really that special about her character and i mean it's not like she's hateable or anything it just like there's nothing unique or like that likable about her she's just an i honestly i liked uh zoe deschanel's character better it's a sad day in rom-com history when Zoe Deschanel <laughs> is the hottest person in the movie. <laughs> so there's my there's my rant. Other than that, I honestly kind of liked the movie. 
like other than other those than two the, motherfuckers the, other than the two people that get the most screen time that the movie's plot is completely centered around i think i enjoyed the movie but the but the plot is good like the the bones of the movie are solid like we were saying about uh what was it that the what was the last one that we did that we were saying that about the the quality of the movie was adequate but oh something borrowed yeah um it was it was just like that where it was like to me like i i loved the writing i loved it was a lot better than something borrowed fyi but i loved the writing i loved the subplots i loved all the supporting actors um I, i loved the premise i thought it was a unique premise I actually liked a lot about this movie. It's just the two main actors for me bring it down so much. And that that's the part that is tough to get past. But anyway, there's okay. my spiel. All right. What about well, you? Sarah, well, Sarah Jessica Parker, I don't mind her. Um, what, she's one of those people there's like a few actresses out there where it's just like at this angle and this lighting i think she's pretty and at this angle at this lighting she looks like a completely different person and mm-hmm. it confuses me <laughs> and she she has that kind of face where depending on the angle i'm confused i'm either confused or appreciative um <laughs> of what i'm <laughs> what i'm looking at uh and then as an actress i i I didn't mind her in this role. Like I, I thought, you know, cause she could play the, the cool aspect of it. And like the, I'm in control playing hard to get. And then she did a really good job of being like really vulnerable then as well. You know, when she started falling for trip, um, right. you know, and, and like showing like, did just like kind of being the, being in love sort of thing like right. just the squealy you know effervescence like she does that well so she does she does have her redeeming qualities for sure yeah so i mean i i appreciated their chemistry together i personally like matthew mcconaughey's or like you're when you when you cast matthew mcconaughey you're not casting him to transform into whatever character you've written You've written a character called Matthew McConaughey. You've just given it a different name, and now you're trying right. to get McConaughey. So Matthew McConaughey is Matthew McConaughey is Matthew McConaughey. If you guys you like it, or you like him or you don't. I personally like him. So you know, it's like having Matthew McConaughey hanging out with Terry Bradshaw, and Kathy Bates in the house. That's cool to me. It was just <laughs> now that kind of goes into how this movie was structured and how this was made. One of the notes I came up with at the very beginning was, you know. I feel like movies are basically one scene that they try to elongate into a movie. Huh. And the way I say that is like anyone who like writes a script or like, you know, has a, an idea. A lot of movies feel like they've come up with this scene. And then after they come up with the scene, they're just like, Oh my God, that's a movie. And then they try to connect scenes and like create all this new content to go along with the original scene of the idea. When really that scene is probably a sketch that deserves to only be three and a half minutes long. And now they're trying to make it into a 90 minute film and they don't have enough material sort of thing. 
I feel like this movie falls into that trap. They don't have enough. Like the movie is 97 minutes. And I pointed that out a little bit more because it feels like they have 60 minutes of actually rom-com material. And then the last 37, they come up with these crazy, this crazy like nature side story that's supposed to connect back to the actual initial plot. But it really doesn't. They just didn't have enough fucking like film and material. Right. Jessica Parker and Matthew Conney the whole time. Um, but that's what I mean. It just it feels like, you know, in this case also with the budget being so high, they were just like, you know what? Let's just take all the acting talent we could possibly find and throw them at this thing. And I know we don't necessarily have a script that's that strong, but if we just get a few of these pieces here, a few of these pieces there, and then just get some star power, let's just see if we can fucking, you know, muscle our way to a, a profit. And it could have gone, it could have gone worse. Like they, and that's what I'm saying, you know? They did that, and it actually, I mean, it worked. It worked. The basics are there. You know, it's like when you see, you know, a baseball team or a basketball team or a football team go crazy in free agency and just try to pick up all the good players that are on the free agent market. (laughs) They don't think about how they're going to fit or how long it takes and, like, how developing chemistry helps in sports. They're just like, we're going to throw all the talent at you. Yeah. with all the money and we're going to try to win things and it's like it's it's like watching the yankees lose the wild card series to like the twins randomly <laughs> you know you're just like they the yankees have so much talent that they at least got there to the twins but the twins have like you know they have actual like intangibles yeah. like team chemistry and yeah they have pictures that they've been developing for the last decade with like low or with high draft picks because they've sucked and now they get to develop them right and it's like, but like next year, the Yankees will probably buy more talent and then they'll actually have a good script to go along with it. And then they'll win the World Series. So um, this movie is the Yankees. So this movie is an underachieving Yankees team that loses in four in, the, in a DS. Yes. You love That's, to hate them, uh, but they're actually quite good until they have to hold up to other much better quality films. Yeah. Yeah. And then they... They lose to a team that's just – it's one of those years that, for that team. Um, yep. Kind of like Cleveland in 2016 or something like that. Or Houston. Yeah. With Baltimore. Their, with in... their trash cans. <laughs> Baltimore. I mean, that was a while ago when it was Baltimore. Yeah, what was that, 2011? <laughs> it was in the 90s. It was in the 90s. No, no, no. I'm thinking of more recently in the oh. early 2010s when they had that very brief run in playoffs. I think I want to say it was when the Royals went to the World Series to play the Giants. So twenty. Oh, that might have been. I want to say it was earlier than that because I I remember living in. I don't I know. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter, and I still don't believe that they're in Baltimore. I think they're in. <laughs> Because um, I didn't see anything about Baltimore in Wikipedia. Yeah, you, there's nothing that tells us it, it is Baltimore in the movie. Exactly. They so. never tell us. It's like, unless you know that skyline personally, it could be, you know, insert small, ta- small quote unquote, big city here. Wait, did they like, show the skyline? Yes. When he, when he wakes up the next day after he had brought that girl home at the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he goes through breakfast, and then she throws him the apple, and he gets in his Porsche, and he drives toward, towards the skyline. 
Uh, yeah, well, it didn't click with me. I didn't recognize it. <laughs> well, obviously, you didn't even know it was Omaha until I told you during the podcast that we had to pause <laughs> so that we could watch the YouTube and like I could prove it to you. Yeah, but I, I'd like to think I would recognize the skyline a little bit better than some <laughs> random thing that some woman screams at a ball game. <laughs> well, you know, you'd recognize neither, so you're on a roll. Um, <laughs> I'm saying Baltimore is not a rememberable. <laughs> a really yeah, I know. Who, who, who memorizes the Baltimore skyline? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I bring that like, but also the other reason I brought that whole like sketch idea up because not only for the casting decisions, but also how the movie starts with the date and Matthew McConaughey being suave. And he's like, Hey, you want to take it back to my place? And then he gets walked in on his parents and his parents are just like, you know, oh, there she goes. Did we move the umbrella stand? We need to throw that thing out before we get sued. <laughs> like, you know, all these <laughs> jokes. And it's just like, it was obviously just a very well manicured, been through draft after draft after draft to make sure that scene is completely tight, just trimmed all the fat, everything else. Those three minutes to start the movie off, that was exactly, it felt like that was the exact scene and idea that the person who wrote this movie came up with to begin with. And I, I would agree. Over, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it was great. It was a great scene. It immediately had me hooked. It was a perfect rom-com intro. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a funny, you know, yeah, yeah it's a funny scene. It's light, it's cute, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which I could say about most of the movie. It's light, it's cute, it's fun. It's actually kind of mm-hmm. a lighthearted, refreshing film. And then from there, when... Then it got weird when I was like, so who is this movie for, though? And then... There's all those parents who are having their barbecue talking about, and they all somehow still have kids at their houses, except for yeah, the host that was of the weird. Except for the host of the barbecue, who's like, oh, he got out two months ago, and like such and so, so on and so forth. And it's just like, then it's like, who's this movie written for? Like, is it written to kind of be a commentary on what they view as society as a bunch of like? mama's boys going back home and not learning how to be out on their own is it kind of like the whole like baby boomer bullshit about like millennials don't pull themselves up by their own bootstraps when really the world's been ruined by baby boomers and they're wondering why we haven't taken opportunities when they've killed all opportunities (laughs) Um, (laughs) like or like so is that the lean or is it that is it written by a bunch of like older folk who just want to fuck in every room in their house now and they can't. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting question. I don't know. Like during that scene, it was just, that was one of those high thoughts. I was like, Oh, okay. This is hitting like the bed's hitting right now. Oh, see, those are, that's why, dude, that's why I smoke while we watch these movies. Yeah, I come up, I mean, that's, exactly. You need those high questions. Exactly. That's, that's why I'm sad. I didn't have any for Harold and Kumar. Back on our 420 episode. Yeah, I don't know how you didn't. Well, you wouldn't have come up with all these deeper metaphysical questions with Harold and Kumar. <laughs> True. And also, I've seen Harold and Kumar so much that I basically like know it like the back of my hand. So I, I can come up with stuff. Um, <laughs> pretty easy. Uh, yeah. Then 
when Trip meets, what is her goddamn name? Paula. Paula. That's right. Paula. Okay. When Trip meets Paula, they meet in the recliner club. I've never heard of a store chain called the Recliner Club. I've never heard of a thing called the Recliner Club. I mean, I, I think it's and made up for the movie. All I can think of is just like, man, pre-COVID days. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like 2006, <laughs> not a care in the world. <sighs> five, year, five years after 9-11, we've, we, we've, you know. Mission has been accomplished according to the uh, George W. Bush, so everything's okay uh, now. George W. Remember him? Yeah, I remember when when his blatant racism and ineptitude was, uh, you know, kind of it was hidden barely. Remember like when a, we thought that's the like worst a, it was going to get? Yeah, like a bubbling pot of boiling water that the lid is starting to fall fly off of. And now we have a legitimate dumpster fire in our kitchen. <laughs> no, it's, it's beyond the kitchen at this point. It's taken over the whole apartment. Yeah. The White House is in flames currently. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but like, yeah, the recliner, but at the same time, I, I just saw the recliner club and I just got misty eyed about like, going out and doing shit like i want to go See, sit in the recliner club and take a nap dude that's what i mean that's what i'm talking about i don't need to go spend summer activities outside like doing major big things i'm just down a fucking street festival right now i should yeah. be at a, the street festival right now street festivals just sitting at the beach just like covid has lowered my expectations so much that going to a fucking furniture store and sitting on a fucking recliner sounds amazing. Yeah. A hundred million percent. Fuck. <laughs> and maybe if one of the employees wants to bring me a beer, that'd be great too. Jeez. Uh, and yeah. then pre-COVID. So I think now's a good time to start talking about the supporting characters because we have five names. Yeah, we have quite a few to go through. That are legitimately known names plus a couple bit players that are known that are still pretty known as well. Um the yeah. the least known but still kind of known is Tyrell Jackson Harper who plays Jeffrey, the young kid. The oh, nephew. right, right, right. Um, Tyrell Jackson Harper. He uh, he uh, is in the show Brockmire, which I like. Yeah. Uh, he he was in that. So that's the least known of like the supporting characters. But then there's also Rob Corddry, who's the gun salesman. And right. <laughs> a known improv actor, just a funny comedic actor in general. He's in What Happens in Vegas. Um, yep. You know, and he. He's funny in that scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, <laughs> maybe the best joke of the entire movie. Like that, and it immediately follows one of the more tasteless jokes of the entire movie. Which is? So, 
in that gun, because we'll just go ahead and talk about it, because it involves another bit player, Zoe Deschanel, huge bit player in the movie, but she only wants one bullet. And then the t- most tasteless joke is Rob Corddry talking, you know, if there's a phone number I can give you if you need help. Like, they make a suicide joke in 2006. Yeah. It's just, yeah, uh, yeah. We know better now, I guess. But it was yeah. only 14 years ago. Probably should have known better then as well. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of things we should know better already. Yeah. But. but then soon after that, she's like, no, it's for a mockingbird. And then he's like, you can't kill a mockingbird. And first of all, there's a book about all, it. Yeah, it's first of all, <laughs> book to kill a mockingbird. And then she goes, yes, exactly. I want one of those as well, please. <laughs> Like, it's just, and then you can see Rob Corddry, like on two separate occasions, you could tell he couldn't get through a take on his like <laughs> reply line without chuckling in some way because it's that good of a joke. He's like, "No, To Kill a Mockingbird's an actual novel. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not a manual. It's not a manual. Yeah, and like when he delivers the line, he even gives like a slight chuckle. And you could just you know that was probably the best line delivery they could get out of him, and they probably yeah. tried like ten times. Yeah. And they said, "Fuck it, it's a one little scene. We'll just go with what we got. We probably got something." And that was the best they could do. If you watch it again, you will see him chuckle. Um, good, <laughs> and, that is a good joke. Yeah. Yes, and it's like and Zoe, well, and Zoe Deschanel in that scene is good. Like with the whole yes, one of those, please. Like. I like when she's like so like stubbornly ignorant, like in this movie. Yeah. She's so stubbornly ignorant. Like that's her well, funny. Like, that's like, that's Zoe Deschanel. Like she always plays like, the like doe eyed, like, you know. Yes, but she like she didn't play a doe eyed, like she didn't play an innocent doe eyed person though. Like she would in New Girl or she did in 500 Days of Summer. Where there's like this feigned innocence, oh, like oh, yeah. I just want everyone to be okay and for things to be happy and such. Yeah, so that I'm is always what bothers me about her. But she's in this movie, I was lot, actually attracted to her because she's a lot funnier as a misanthrope. Yeah, <laughs> it's odd, but yeah, she's funnier as a misanthrope. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and like so, <clears throat> it was funny watching her you know, be that way in this movie and especially at that gun scene. Um, and also it, it was needed to call Paula on her shit when Paula wanted to act like she had everything under control when she didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So Kit was like good fodder for that. And then also it just made the whole her and Ace thing, you know, was, was funny cause he was the submissive to her. But like I said earlier, like, all the subplots and all this, all the supporting characters were yeah. great. Like I, I love that they mixed in this, like that scene at the at the the gun purchasing. You know, yeah. Um, I like all, to the, think- all the things that didn't have to have the main characters. They were completely independent of the main storyline. It was great. I like I like to think that even though they're under different names, that this is how Phil and Doug met for the first hangover. Like this is a prequel 
to the first hangover and how Doug and Phil became friends. <laughs> I can see that. Like there's your was, there's your happily ever after. That's that's what happened before ever after. His and that's what this is. And what happens after after is the hangover. So yeah, you are correct. <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah. So that's what happens after ever after. Let's just get you out of the way. Uh, Ace and Demo actually become Doug and Phil in the Hangover movies. Uh, <laughs> and well, it's because Justin Bartha played Doug. And wait, 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 wait. Isn't Ace's yeah. real name Philip? Uh, yes. Yes. So he's Phil. No, but he played Doug. And... I, I, I know, but he gets, the, like, he are, like, they probably stole the character name right there. There you go. And, Put it in and, the movie. Now it connects the two. Boom. <laughs> Even more. There you go. Um, also, like this movie had written jokes that didn't deserve the written joke <laughs> in the movie. Like it was too good a quality of a written joke for this movie to have. Because. <laughs> The other one is the reason why Phil is called Ace when they're about to shoot the Mockingbird. Oh yeah, why he was called why he's called Ace. The one testicle. He had, he had an undescended testicle until he was ten. Yep. That is a fantastic reason to call someone Ace, and <laughs> just like because initially you're especially when you initially introduce him as like him and Demo as like these two crony bros along with trip who seems like a crony bro and the three of them just live with their parents or these bro moochers that you're supposed to like think oh my god these guys are the worst like these guys are right right they they need a makeover you know they're just undesirable sort of thing and so ace as a nickname for a bro friend is so like on the nose like almost like nausea inducing mm-hmm. and then you find out when he's trying to chase this very odd woman and kit and he brings her a bb gun to sting this mockingbird and he tells her the reason he's called ace is because he had an undescended testicle when he was dead and that leads to them making out i know i love the random makeouts that they had yeah it, it was, was hilarious but you notice what caused these what was the instigating feeling to all these makeouts that they would incur- would go through realizing that they're both fucking weird in a way that, but it's like a more, each other's a little more, weird a little more, no a little more broad it's that they were vulnerable the moment before they started making uh, it yeah yeah extremely yeah. vulnerable yeah um cuz like when at during the credits when she slaps him out in the grass like the look of hurt and anger and all the other things he was probably feeling after he gets slapped by her causes this immediate turn on for both of them (laughs) and it's just like when they finally open themselves up to each other they literally cannot handle their carnal urges (laughs) and that's just that and in a nutshell, that's what this movie's trying to portray. It's that what? when you open yourself up to vulnerability, then you receive 
you know, love and everything that comes with it in return. Because that's that's all that we want, man. That's all that's that's, that's power in that, the universe, man. I mean, that's it's a tale as old as time when it comes to rom coms. Open yourself to being vulnerable, and then the rewards come back to to you. We see that even in the yeah. the parents too. His parents, yeah, yeah. The of like Kathy Bates being extremely vulnerable, which mm-hmm. is a scene that once again doesn't feel like this movie is earned. But yet it's another scene, like a dramatic scene, that's actually very poignant. And, well, just seeing, and just with uh, at the barbecue at the beginning, we see the couple whose kid just moved out. And they've like they're all over each other and they've opened up to each other and are talking openly about things that the other couples aren't as comfortable talking about. There's another example. The whole movie is about it. So, what did you think of the slapstick, like, nature comedy in this film? Because I, for one, found it the most absurd, dumbest thing (laughs) that they could have done. You mean, like, the animals biting his hand constantly or biting him constantly? Yeah, the chipmunk and then the dolphin. I just didn't see a point for it. Like, I get how... Bradley Cooper's character brought it into the story a little bit, but by the time yeah. that they, I was waiting for them to explain why this kept happening. And then when they did, when they wrap it in with his explanation that, what was it? That, that, um, that nature is, is, is going at, at him because he's rejecting life's natural course. Yeah, that's what it was. So like, I thought that was a cute, clever, <laughs> you know, kind of twist on, the reasoning but then i was like but that's it that's your only explanation for putting these scenes in the movie like okay they were they were they were funny they were a comedic thing but they weren't necessary it was it was the extra 37 minutes that they try to fill the movie with because yeah. it didn't have enough the plot yeah and it's unfortunate because it was just not none of it was funny all of it felt forced and just unnecessary to, to i just hated sitting through it well, and they were never they were never plot devices. Like they were never the most integral they ever became as in the story was when he gets bitten rock climbing and he falls and they got to stand there and wake him up for a bit and then they finally have all three of them have a little heart to heart for the first time in probably their whole fucking friendship. And yeah. Like, like that but, finally tells everyone that he owns his house and he lets and he lets his mom stay in it/own slash own it. Yeah, like you guys hang out so much and you don't know some basic shit about each other. Like that right there to me is more childish than, you know. And then Demo's chosen a life of a wanderer, but he's a bum. But like it, he just like all of a sudden is this like this magical shaman that one knows how these animals actually feel. And like is just like like a fucking crocodile hunter. <laughs> And like he's just like, oh, look at this chipmunk over here. Like, <laughs> it's just like That's what pretty are, good. That's pretty good. Yeah, like what are what is this character? And then this character also oversteps his bounds in a way, but also has to in order to move the plot forward mm-hmm. by telling Paula about Amy because those kids actually have a chance, you know. And it's just like, where does your character? Like, 
what is your character? <laughs> they just put Bradley Cooper in this character that just like had more emotional sensitivity, but yet also knowingly did not have like a home or anything because he chose the life of a wanderer. I have like... I have a theory on that. <laughs> okay. Because I had the exact same thought in the movie. Where I was like, I like this character, but he's like what are you? Like what what's your purpose? I think he is a very underdeveloped um I want to say jester, but I don't think that's the right term for it what there was like there was always like the narrator character in like shakespearean plays and stuff that it was like yeah the clown like in merchant of venice there's lancelot yeah um, yeah so it's or, or like um lancelot the, the clown or something isn't like yeah. isn't puck one in midsummer night's dream probably i haven't i forgot about that one um so like those characters that that like move the story along that are neither antagonist nor protagonist, but you don't dislike them. They're just, they're just kind of like, you're not supposed to get attached to them. They're just a very neutral, like for the sake of moving the plot along character that is like, can also take the role of the narrator kind of thing. I think that's what he was supposed to be. I think he was supposed to be like the friend that is supposed to move the plot along and like, bring Matthew McConaughey's character out of his bubble, kind of force the two together. That's why he's the one that like sets up the kidnapping and everything at the end and just says, fuck it, let's throw them together. Um, I think that's what he was supposed to be. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think the fact that you are kind of sure, but not really sure is exactly how the writers felt when they were writing that character. <laughs> No one knows. No one knows. Like, he is the definition of, like, we need this character and we need the plot devices, but I also have no idea what to do with him as a human being. Yeah, there was... This whole movie kind of seemed like a hodgepodge, didn't it? Like That's what I'm saying. Like, they had a scene at the very beginning that they knew they wanted to put to film, and then they try to create the rest of the movie after having that scene in their head. And then they... Yeah, couldn't, they couldn't cut bait when they realized they probably just had a, a bunch of sketches, some of them funny, most of them not, and they try to put them together into a movie. Again, the bare bones of this movie are there. <coughs> like it, it's 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 got good foundation to it. It's got a good foundation to it, but it's it just kind of seems like a hodgepodge of all these like random things thrown together. If they kind of ironed some of them out and made it into a you know more cohesive plot line, I think it would have been much better. And then, from my point of view, recast the two leads. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Bradley Cooper was a show Muhammad. A what? A mix of a Omaha shaman. <laughs> a show Muhammad. Who lives in Baltimore? He doesn't live in Baltimore because the movie's set in Omaha. They said it. They said. They said it. <laughs> it is set in an Omaha 
that is in your mind's eye, where there's also <laughs> sailing boats and an ocean and a forest to ride mountain bikes and a mountain to climb. It's the Omaha in your mind, just like James Taylor had Carolina in his. Uh, <laughs> we we move we continue on <laughs> um, so when also when demo tells uh trip about like the, about paula's gig and also that he told her about amy oh yeah that whole scene they're sweating for playing basketball and there's these two like russian dudes yeah what like, the fuck have these like random lines and it's like that feels like a whole two, three minute scene. They cut and just kept the part where they moved the plot forward. It but did. Create, but it felt like a deleted, another sketch where they were playing basketball. And it was probably one of those where like Bradley Cooper's character was like getting absolutely destroyed by these two taller Eastern European dudes. And it's probably a lot like the movie Along Came Polly, which is something we might do in the future. That um, is actually a movie I wanted to shit on. I had, com- I had forgotten about that. <laughs> Yeah, but it had Philip Seymour Hoffman's basketball scene, and also Ben Stiller getting like the sweaty dude. Oh right, his face. And I feel like they probably had something along those same lines, and then they just cut it and then kept the scene that had the plot <laughs> stuff that was necessary. You and know, just like oh shit, we have plot at the end of it, just like we had plot at the end of the baseball scene. Now Fuck that you mention it, just cut it, cut it, put it in. We need that. Just put the plot part in. Now that you mention it, I wonder if they did that for a lot of the movie. Because we've been sitting here talking about how it seems like a hodgepodge. Maybe the real criticism is against the editing. Like, maybe they just went through and cut this thing up like crazy. And it feels like a hodgepodge because it's all edited completely incorrectly. Well, that's... I don't think it's edited incorrectly. I think it's edited as coherently as they could make it because they continually said today we're filming this tomorrow. We're filming that. And there's a completely different setting and a completely different situation. And then they had to, and then they're just like, what lines do we need to get out of the script into this setting? Mm. And I was like, okay, uh, let's see. Um, when she meets the friends uh, and also he's trying to help her get her mind off of losing her dog. Uh, paintball, paintball. We need to do paintball. Okay. Let's, let's do a paintball scene. All right. We're doing the paintball scene and we're also trying to connect these two bridges. So we need to make sure we say these lines, these lines, and uh, also talk about finger rolls. <laughs> Which by the way, yeah. Why are there so many fucking weird random scenes like the paintball scene? Yeah. Also, the figure roll, like, if you're, like, he's trying to make her quote unquote feel better, but we all know what you're really trying to do. You're trying to showcase how well you can make your fingers move. Yeah. And so every time everyone did a figure roll, it was just like obvious. It just felt like kind of, because in the UK, they do a thing where they take their two fingers, like kind of like a peace sign, and they move it in an upward motion, and like they say like toss off or like you're a tosser sort of thing, and that's just kind of like a supposed to be like a like a throw fingers up a vagina sort of thing. Okay. And it felt like that was that kind of thing because she did it when she won the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was weird. That whole scene. Like, again, what was the point? It's to show us that they're growing closer, I guess. Because they didn't have more than 60 minutes of plot. How many times must I say it? <laughs> like, I guess, okay, in my head, my my inner devil's advocate is sitting here thinking, okay, well, it's it's a cute little scene in the rom-com to show that they're growing together and they're bonding. Mm-hmm. And they're being cute together. Like, so I'm imagining mm-hmm. comparing it to the mini golf scene in No Strings Attached. Well, and it also allows Ace to finally meet Kit for the first time. Yeah. And they have that the fun f- scene on the bleachers. Right, right. So. When she crushes a beer. So maybe it, I mean, maybe it has that purpose. Um, but it didn't have to be paintball. It could have been like, hey, we're playing soccer out in this park. We're playing Ultimate Frisbee. I mean, I'm sure we're fucking hacking a sack. Like, we could have done a lot of things. <laughs> but instead, it was paintball. Well, you know, and... Uh, a finger roll. That's why. Baltimore, o- Omaha. That's uh, that's the pastime. <laughs> that's right. Omaha and paintball. That's what... No, 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 And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got this one. (laughs) And ladies and gentlemen, that is how we truly feel about Nebraska. (laughs) And I had to drive through that fucking shithole. The whole, (laughs) not the short way, the long way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, um, I there is one subtle thing I liked, and then there's another thing I want to point out. And then we can get to like the kiss and start moving, but uh, I also liked when uh, he brings Paula over to the parents' house mm-hmm. for the first time, and they're just like, Oh, he's about he's trying to dump you, and like. And they had, and it was obvious that Paula and the parents had to think on the fly, because Trip still didn't know about their their uh, their connection yet between the parents and Paula. And so, when no one knows what to do, it's Paula who does something, and it's like I I don't mind, and she like calls his bluff, mm-hmm. and then the mom invites her to stay for dinner, and what does Terry Bradshaw, the hilarious Terry Bradshaw do as Al. I'm going to mow the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tripp's plan didn't work of like getting her to break up with him. Right. So she's like, so he's like, I'll go help you mow the lawn. And it's just like the women obviously thought so quickly on their feet. that They <laughs> saved the situation and allowed it to continue while the guys are just like, huh? Fucking, I don't know what to do. I'm going to get out of this situation and move the lawn. 
I just thought that was funny. Might mow the neighbors, too. Yeah, I might mow the neighbors' lawn, too. And then, fucking, and then she decides to sleep with Trip that night. Yep. And she does the walk of shame. Like, how awkward. I know. And it's walk, walk of, of shame. shame through a parent's house. That's but the ultimate parents, walk of shame. Who, Parents who are paying you to get their son out of their house. Oh my and you God. just fucked him in said house with the parents downstairs awake at the time and then upstairs awake when you were leaving. You as, got paid to sleep with their son. As, as Terry Bradshaw put it, I'm paying for this. I'm going to scare him. <laughs> I did love that line. Yeah. And, it's just that's such a mind fuck. Like they legit were basically paying for their son to have sex at one point <laughs> in their house. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. And then I love how Kit calls her out on it. Like does <laughs> does being there for a client mean having an orgasm? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And you know she didn't answer, so she totally did have one. Yep. Yeah. Good on trip. Way to go. Causing that out. Anyway. Sometimes in the parents' house, I can get hot. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to cover on the movie before we go to the kiss? Um, let's see here. Um, just one, the one little uh, metaphorical scene at the very end. The very obvious metaphor when she goes, oh. "Do you do you need the the flotation device?" And he goes, no. "Nah, I'm good. I'm real good." <laughs> yeah, it's just like, hey, in case you didn't catch the point, here you go. Wait. It was it was so obvious that I didn't pick up on it until. He goes, nah, I'm good. And then I pointed the TV and literally just went, ha! I see what you did. <laughs> also, uh, I can't believe we didn't talk about... Sorry, we, there is one other thing to talk about. Do it. They, they kidnapped Trip. Yeah, that motherfucker deserved it. And put him in a closet and then locked them in a place and then watched them in that room. Oh, super creepy. In public. Yeah. Which initially I wrote, um, why watch this in public? Then I said dot, 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 but this is reality TV in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And then they even made a joke about that. Like, they even made a reality TV joke. But think about, like, Big Brother. And think about, like, other shows like that. Uh, Where you're literally just watching people in a house interact. It's like, they basically are watching reality TV today. Yeah. And so I was just like, it was like that Alonzo morning meme. Where you're just, like, shaking your head initially. Oh, yeah. But then you're like, well, but then you nod your head. You're just like, (laughs) it's like. Yeah, it felt like that. We're just like, uh, I can't believe they did. Well, that, that's what we all do now. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I also like that they used the same exact shot uh, both times as Zoe Deschanel hitting <laughs> Justin Bartha in that scene. Did they? Yeah. Like, she hits him twice, and they used the same shot both times. Um, 
Really? Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, it's that. well, just the shot of her hitting him. Um, right, right. Yeah. Uh, also, when Trip finds out and tell and like lets the parents and Paula know and plays the joke on them that she's gonna meet right. Paula into the house. I wrote, "If I'm pissed, I'm not flamboyantly making you a feast beforehand." Yeah. Like I don't care how well you how how well you thought through this revenge plot of yours. Yeah. You obviously didn't really think it through very well because you spent all this time and effort making this elaborate dinner only to culminate in you saying a couple things and storming out. Yeah. Like really? How long did you spend on that fucking dinner? Yeah. Like, it still seems like they got the the better end of that deal. You don't get to eat any of the food that you made. On top of all that, you like you cook for them you, yeah, and a good meal at that. Like, yeah, and none of it is going to bring back the time that you spend on that. Yeah. So, like, and then he's like, "And you got you guys all get what you want. I'm out of here." I'm like, and okay. I, so, how seriously? How this is like the best <laughs> thing you could do, actually. Like, I don't understand how you're fooling okay. anyone. I did remember that when I watched this in theaters with my mom, it was one thing I did point out. I loved that the PG-13 movie, you get one, especially in the mid-2000s, you'd get one fuck. Yep. You'd use fuck once. And I love that they used it when he was get in the, the car. Get the fuck out of my car. Get the fuck out of my car. Just yep. like, that. at that moment, you cannot do your apology. Like, nope. It's, I mean, she has to try. But I completely understand him saying, get the fuck out of my car. I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah, even even I was like, I think I was, I don't know, taking a drink of water, doing something during that scene that it was, I, my full attention wasn't quite on it. And as soon as he said, get the fuck out of my car, I just turned at the TV and went, oh, shit. Yep, that's, <laughs> that's how you know the scene is over. You gotta get out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I uh, I think the scene's over. So. Yeah. yeah. Not, much, not much you can do with that with uh with that. <laughs> uh well if let's uh focus on happier times. Let's get to the kiss of the movie, as I said earlier, but then we uh talk about more things in the movie. Kiss, 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 kiss. What did you think the kiss of the movie was? Dude, I don't even fucking know. Because <laughs> there were a few. There were a few, and the first one was, like, barely a kiss, right? Like, wasn't that when they... She, like, pecked him and then walked away. Yeah. Yeah, because um, she was playing hard to get and everything. Was there uh, a was there a big grand finale, like, final one? No, right? Yeah, when they were in... When he is rolling and everyone's like, He could go all the way! When he's, like, rolling over to her and... Did they the, kiss? I believe they did, but everyone kisses. <laughs> like you also get. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he's kissing, and then you also get fucking demo picking up the waitress yeah. and having this like romantic, dirty dancing kiss, <laughs> and then she's also in the credit scene yeah. with him. Yeah, and all of a sudden they're just, like, through life, the Amazon. They're just like life partners. Yeah. And then also, I forget what the line she said was, but like when Demo and Ace like look back at her, she like says this outlandish line and they both just look back at her like we have more questions. 
I forget what that line was. But oh, it was that. no. I've I've talked to a guy while he's tied up. No, I've I've tried talking to a guy while he's tied up. Yeah, and then they both just look at her <laughs> like, and that's that was that's what it was. I love just their reaction to that. How they both just like, huh? <laughs> there were there were quite a few scenes like that where I noticed a lot of very like, like secondary and tertiary things in the background going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like glances and gestures and things like that that really that actually <laughs> caught my eye and made me chuckle more than any of the dialogue or the, the main actors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as far as the kiss in the movie, though. So what uh, is the kiss, kiss? For me, it's after the first time they go sailing. And they come back. And they're eating crabs at that little like crab shack. Oh. And I forget how or what exactly. Oh, he talks about just like the old wooden boat that he wants. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he doesn't, but he needs to be ready for it because he doesn't want to be lonely with this big boat payment. Another metaphor, which he finally gets at the end of the movie when they're on the boat yeah. together. Yeah. And she says, why do you have to be lonely? And then she leans over the the crab feast that they've been eating and she gives him a kiss. And it, I found it a very endearing kiss because it felt very real. Yeah. It was, it was awkward body is awkward body positioning because she's leaning over the table and she's the one who obviously had the idea first to kiss. So she like, she's done the 90 percent you know what mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. and then also you can see the beautiful setting behind them it's a beautiful setting there with the water and everything else it's a beautiful day and then because of the sun and everything it's just their silhouettes and you know i'm a sucker for silhouettes if you listen back oh, yeah. to the leap year episode i love a dark silhouette meeting a dark silhouette with the lighting in the background and it's the same exact thing here dark silhouette dark silhouette lips meeting with the you know lightness of the sun and the water in the background, I yeah. and then like the kiss itself was just very real and, and endearing, and I just I thought it was a B plus of a kiss myself. Yeah, that was a pretty good kiss. It was it was sweet. Mm-hmm. It was I liked that you pointed out that it was very real. It was, and also once again, vulnerability leads to a reward. Exactly. And yeah, that's what I'm a sucker for in any of these movies is when you're when you're your true self. That's the only way you're going to be able to be your true self is just by being vulnerable. But of course, the catch 22 is finding someone to be vulnerable with. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I think it would be. Um, I'd give it a B. All right. It was it was a solid scene, but I couldn't really see the kiss. I'm like, you can't really judge it up close or anything, and I don't like the actors. So, <laughs> so plus her chin, man, her chin, like I think, <laughs> got, I think it got to his face before her lips did. <laughs> so we already talked about what happens after Raptors. So let's go straight to the verdict for the film. All right. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'm gonna go first. All right. And I know it's shitless season, mm-hmm. but you're gonna I'm betray not, the shitless. I'm gonna betray it. It does not make our shitless. You're a fucking traitor. 
it's I would fuck this movie, and I honestly feel like people should watch it once. It, it would be a better experience if you get progressively higher as you're watching it. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I I think that there's moments that make me laugh legitimately. There's jokes I thought that were way too good for this film, and also even the bad parts of the film and like all the crazy editing and all the like weird stuff that you do, you can laugh at for the sheer absurdity that they even tried to put it together. That's true. So like all the slapstick things I was laughing at, like what the fuck is this? Like, why is, are you making this choice with this film? That's this right now. Kind of what I took away from those animal scenes too, where it was like, it's just so absurd that it's just funny. It's comical. It's just a slapstick. So it is not making our shit list because there is too much joy had and because it, no, because and one of us was, and it's bad quality was endearing. Because one of us is a fucking traitor, and you—I don't even know who you are anymore. You betrayed the whole point of our podcast. What's your verdict? I'd fuck it. Yep, you betrayed it too. You <laughs> fuck face. I knew you were doing that. I knew you were doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was solid. It, it made me chuckle quite a few times. It was—it was endearing. It was cute. It was fun. It was. Very lighthearted. Um, I, I just, you know, it would get a much higher grade for me if it wasn't such a hodgepodge and if it had better main leads for me. That's fair. So, also, we have four movies on our shit list, so we still did fulfill the four slots. It's just that one of them we did earlier, and we're making up for it now. So, the Wedding Planner is on the shit list. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ugly Truth, Something Borrowed, and uh, Fever Pitch. So, yeah, the shit list, otherwise known as the uh, Wedding Planner Memorial List. <laughs> yeah, the, I don't know. The Wedding Planner, Something Borrowed, Ugly Truth, Fever Pitch. Yeah. Basically, if your title has two or three words in it, <laughs> you're off to a bad start. Uh oh. Well, no strings uh, attached. <laughs> what? I mean, you have a chance to redeem from the bad start. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so our socials uh, as a podcast, our Instagram is Romancing the Stone Podcast, all one word together. Romancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, also, our Twitter is Bro the Stone Pod. That's at B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. And then my Twitter is Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super. So S U P R Market Sweep. And my Instagram is Relusa88. And that's R E L U S A 88. And Max, where are my you on? My Instagram is The Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. Perfect mundo. And Max, guess what, buddy? What? That's the end of our shit list month. Already? We've already gotten all the way through August, yeah. God, that's depressing. So, Fuck. Oh my God, where did the summer go? I know, the summer's pretty much done. Uh, <laughs> so, well actually, I actually I apologize. I forget. August has 31 days. Like this is yeah. the part where I like where there's two straight 31 day months and it always messes me up. So technically, we do have one last day in shitless month. So we could do another shitless movie. So we could do another shitless movie. There were two movies you were choosing between. 
Well, we did them both. No. Oh, we didn't do. Oh. Would you like oh. to do that movie next week? I I know, like oh. it is technically your choice. If you have another movie in mind, we could do another movie. But it is up to you. Hmm. 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 I thought there was wasn't there another movie that I was saying just on this podcast that I wanted to do that was a shitless movie. Like I said, at this episode, I don't. What did I say? <laughs> I don't know. I would have to listen back to it. Um, I damn it! I know, I know. I know. You said a movie. Um. Oh, I can't. Uh, well, whatever it is, it must not be good enough for to yeah. make the list because I can't think of it now. But it's gonna bug the hell out of me. Um, it, it was one that you mentioned. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's one that I want to put on my sh- Or that's that's what I would shit on, too. I don't remember. Whatever. All right. Um, I guess. Yeah, why not? Let's do another shitless movie. All right. Then. I don't mind this. And what? Sorry. What? I accidentally went to Instagram. And it was a video <laughs> <Brett> the Jewels. <laughs> Uh, let's do Monster in Law. All right, the Monster in Law. Because there's a fifth week in August, we are giving you an extra shitless movie. Monster in Law will be next week. A movie I have not seen. I have only seen once. I don't remember much of it. As as we already discussed on a previous episode, I confused it with The Wedding Planner, so that goes to show you how much I know of it. Um, but I remember it being pretty fucking awful. <laughs> so let's give it a shot. Besides, this one wasn't really a shitless episode. So it makes sense that we do one more. I hope, I honestly hope Monster in Law does not surprise us and <laughs> turn out to be a decent movie. I hope it's as bad as I want it to be. I want to be honest, looking at <laughs> looking at just the the fucking poster, the male lead. Dude, it's bad. Dude, it's oh, so God. bad. Dude, it's so bad. I uh, I don't even remember. I just remember like the the god awful like empty feeling I had after watching it knowing <laughs> I would never get those two hours back. Dope. I'm I'm oh god. So I I sincerely hope it's as bad as my scattered memory remembers. Simply because I do really want to shit all over it. Oh god, I are you still looking at pictures or something? Looking at the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Oh god. I can't wait to hear oh, next week. Okay. <laughs> well, until next week. Oh no. Um, Don't read anymore. I want you to be surprised. Uh, well, I'm not like I'm just not even reading full reviews. I'm just like reading like little Yeah, bit. it's dude, it's terrible. It's so bad. I I just I feel like okay. No well. Next week, <laughs> we'll do Monster Law. Until then, tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. Thank you for listening. We will catch you next week.
Love you guys.